Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to the DMZ, everybody. For those uh, closely following the uh, Bill Share uh, dog saga, uh, we are taping a, a little more late morning today, which I think is closer to uh, dog nap time. So hopefully uh, less of a disruption than the past couple of days, past couple of weeks. One thing is for sure. Uh, you don't like that dog, but that dog loves you. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not convinced of that. Um, but we definitely tolerate each other. <laughs> well, there are marriages that are built on less than that. So uh, we'll take it this holiday season. Um, where Where do you want to start? Uh, it seems like there's a few no dominant story this week per se, but a, a few. Uh, you know, stories that I think could pass for dominant stories. Well, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of stuff going on there. They're trying to keep the government open in Congress. Uh, McCarthy's still, you know, touch and go. Um, cinema shook things up. Uh, I, I don't know. What, what's, on, what's on your mind? Well, first, this is a good time to plug. You and I uh, had to do an emergency podcast last week after... After yes. we turned off the lights on the DMZ and shut that down for the week, uh, the cinema news happened and uh, and the Brittany Griner news happened. And so right. you and I did an audio podcast at Matt Lewis and the News. And if you are only watching or listening to the DMZ and you missed us talking about those topics, we did 45 minutes basically on on the cinema switch. So check that out. Right. So we, we, um, we don't need Bill, to. I think we, we should to... start. I think we should start this week with a tried and true uh, 2022 DMZ topic uh, because it's a topic that keeps on giving. It's a gift that keeps on giving. And that is Ron, Ron DeSantis overtaking Donald Trump and not only overtaking Donald Trump, but doing it in an interesting way, including uh, the latest uh, has to do with him uh, it, launching investigations into vaccinations. At least that's well, I wouldn't, why I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't connect those dots. I mean, we have, we have, a, we have a, which is the, I mean, he did this vaccine, this, this anti-vaccine round table yesterday, you know, Wednesday. Uh, and but it's indicative, but I think it, it is indicative of something, Bill, which I think is that everybody wants someone to run against Trump. And the main thing we want them to do is to beat Trump by virtue of being less uh, crazy than Trump, right? Because then it's a moral victory, right? You're not just beating Trump, you're beating Trumpism. And But the problem with that is it sort of looks like you're hitting him from the left and it doesn't work with the Republican electorate. The Republican base today doesn't want someone who's going to beat Trump by pointing out that that Trump is uh, is is like let's say too extreme, then the second thing we might settle for, Bill, is we might settle for like, well, Trump is too chaotic and and he's a loser. Ron DeSantis isn't even doing that. I think Ron DeSantis. It seems to me, Bill, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like he's laying the predicate here for having a way to attack Donald Trump from the right. Donald Trump, the guy who was behind Operation Warp Speed, who got booed. You remember Donald Trump got booed for talking about vaccines. I think it was at a fundraiser a while back. So 
Um, maybe this is part of Donald, I'm uh, sorry, part of Ron DeSantis' appeal, part of the reason that he is actually running ahead. And I think the main thing is obviously the, the midterm losses, but. We have, but I, I think we should, we should try to separate these, these things out to, to some uh, extent. So first, we had a series of polls come out last few days where when you test DeSantis and Trump head to head amongst Republicans, DeSantis is ahead. Although I did see one poll where Trump was ahead. That was Maris. But there's, there's at least, I think, three others where DeSantis is ahead. You're not seeing DeSantis ahead when you're testing a larger field of Republicans. Trump is still holding plurality support, plurality, plurality first place when you're testing a broad field. Now, of course, we don't even know what the field's going to be. We don't know how many people are actually going to be in this field. Um, so it's all a little murky at this point. Um, but so I think we can say DeSantis has established himself as the primary Trump alternative. We can't say with confidence that Trump can't still win this primary so long as the anti-Trump vote is divided to some degree. Um, now, and to get this to the other point, this vaccine point, uh, I, you know, DeSantis has definitely made his primary uh, persona slash theory of the case as I'm the guy that kept Florida free. You know, we had to choose freedom over Fauciism. Uh, and he has a, he's a stump speech that he's honed. It's chock full of stats, which may be of uh, dubious quality, but nevertheless, it sounds very erudite when he does it, um, to make the case that he, uh, he did not get suckered by the so-called experts uh, and Florida is thriving because of it. So he has a model to export to the rest of the country. Uh, that basic argument is not really tethered to being a vaccine skeptic. It is much more of an anti-mandate, anti-lockdown yeah. argument. Uh, I agree. Now, Let me just put a pin in it real quick, Bill, because I think yeah. that I'm willing to give DeSantis some credit. And I think that um, Florida was great. I went to Florida toward the end of COVID and it was awesome um, uh, to not have to wear the mask. At that point, the mask wearing was pretty performative, I would say. Um, now, Florida, you know, Florida is sort of spread out. There's a lot of warm weather. People can be outside more. But I think that DeSantis does deserve some credit for kind of, you know, reopening his state at the right time. Um, some of it, uh, I think he deserves some credit for. Maybe he got lucky. I don't know. But that is, as you were pointing out, Bill, that is different than the question of vaccines. Because in my opinion, um, where I split with the COVID hawks was after vaccines. I was very much cautious and conservative about COVID. And then we got the vaccines. And, and that's when I felt like, it was wrong that they were, for example, keeping schools closed way too long. So, um, but to me, the key was getting a vaccine. Getting the vaccines for me was a key. Once I was vaccinated, um, then, you know, if I'm in a crowded area, maybe I wear a mask, but 
I sort of went about my life as normal. I think that's what happened in Florida. But um, but it's more concerning to me to attack the idea of of vaccines for a whole bunch of reasons, including what happens the next time something like this happens. Uh, and we've undermined the whole concept of vaccines in order to get to win elections. I do. I do want to ask you. So, okay, one. I don't want to debate DeSantis's record on this here because I think that's all. That would take us in a whole down another you know, rabbit hole, which I don't think I want to do right now. Although, but just, I just want to say for the record, I don't necessarily agree that like he deserves all this credit. But let's save that for another time. Uh, I want to ask you your. How does Matt Lewis feel about Ron DeSantis now because of this vaccine stuff? But let's also save that for a little bit. Um, uh, just as a political matter, I mean, yeah, let's stipulate that like I have been, uh, I've underestimated DeSantis repeatedly <laughs> over the past two years. Like I, I am. Bill sure got to take a victory lap on you know Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake before. Like I, I get no well, Ron DeSantis. Yeah, I get no Ron DeSantis victory laps. I constantly misjudge this guy. Uh, that's so, because the Republican electorate is, um, well, I don't want to say inscrutable, but it defies logic. It defies, well, I think Florida defies dev- 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 logic. Florida is operating differently than much of the rest of the country. So. so that's what's making it hard for me. And, and my, my gut to a lot of DeSantis decision-making always is like, why aren't you quitting while you're ahead? Like you've made, a, it's, it's like a gambler in a casino. Like you've made all these like crazy bets. They're all paying off. I'm like, Hey, you know, take your winnings and go home. Why do you keep betting more? Like, do you, you're, you're already making headway against Trump. You already got this freedom over Fauciism thing working for you. Do you have to go full blown anti-vax too? What's the point? Um, and just, just to clarify, you're yeah. going to get a round table with a bunch of, you know, People that have pedigrees, so it seems like it's all very scientific, but these are generally, I think, seen as quacks. Uh, and he's saying he's going to uh, call on the Florida Supreme Court to impanel a grand jury and investigate the vaccine makers for spreading misinformation about vaccines. And he's creating a, a government committee that essentially functions as a counterweight to the CDC. So they'll put out their own stuff that would say the CDC is wrong about X, Y, or Z. He already has a floor, a, a floor, a surgeon general who's a, who's a crank on this stuff, uh, but uses as someone who had again with a nominal pedigree to make it seem like it has uh, so, some legitimacy behind it. Uh, you know, Jonathan Chait has a piece at New York Magazine arguing that there is a big enough anti-vax constituency in the Republican Party for this to make political sense for him. Uh, that's my and, point. Uh, no, that's that? my point. I think that Ron DeSantis. Now, you and I, our instincts, I think, probably have been redeemed when it comes to winning general elections. Okay, but if your goal is to beat Donald Trump and to win Republican, a Republican primary, then you're going to have to do things like this that don't make sense to you and I. We this would go against our instincts. We would not think this is a a smart idea, Um, but crazy sells. And conspiracy theories sell and not trusting the elites or the experts sells in the Republican primary. And that is what DeSantis is doing. I think that my reading of this is that DeSantis is very shrewd and that he has a much keener understanding of the Republican primary electorate than you or I, um, which 
And again, I think it could totally backfire in a general election. That That's a different topic. But for now, you know, there's a great movie, uh, Raising Arizona, you know, the Coen brothers. And, that, that's uh, a great movie. Randall Tex Cobb has a line where he says, uh, if you want an outlaw, you hire an outlaw. If you want to find a Dunkin' Donuts, get a cop. And I think maybe that's the Ron DeSantis theory here is that like, you're not going to beat Donald Trump by being more reasonable than Donald Trump or by, or by being like just slightly less crazy than Donald Trump. That's not going to do it. Um, Donald Trump is vulnerable on the right. He is vulnerable when it comes to COVID because Trump, the one, the one good thing Trump did was Operation Warp Speed. And therefore, he's vulnerable because he did that one good thing in the Republican electorate. Now, uh, again, you can't take my word for anything when it comes to DeSantis. Um, but I do think there are pitfalls for the path he's on. One is, sure, this may make a lot of sense short-run primary, but not long-term general election. But I think, you know, everyone says early polls don't matter, but I think they do matter in terms of people's perceptions of the race and their, and primary voters, Democratic primary voters definitely have prioritized electability uh, in recent uh, primaries, Republicans uh, less so. Uh, But if there, if the DeSantis boomlet is driven in part by Trump's a loser. He's making us lose races. We need somebody who can win. If DeSantis starts getting a reputation of being, you know, too crazy for prime time, and he's losing to Biden, I mean, the polls I've seen of Biden DeSantis are basically competitive. Um, and you know, certain polls have DeSantis doing a little bit better than Trump versus Biden, but not all of them. Uh, uh, and I, I averaged a bunch out the other day, and I, I, I think Biden was ahead of Trump by like two and change and Biden was added to Santa's by like less than half a percentage point, you know, so that's what we're talking about here, but you're still talking basically, you know, dead heat within the margin of error races. Uh, let's say DeSantis is becomes known for being an anti-vax crank and that puts him five points behind Biden. Does that then have a domino effect where it becomes less appealing as a, as a Trump alternative? If, he, if he's seen to be someone who's going to lose the general. Yeah, I mean, if if we get to that point, but again, we're talking about someone who just won uh, re-election by 19 points in the state of Florida, um, and someone who was beating but, Donald but Trump in, in a lot but of in the state of Florida, court. I think is the key point there. He won big in a state which is no longer a bellwether state. Now, uh, you and I both know that, but Florida is a big, important state, and in uh, recent memory, it has been a swing state, the swing state. So. Um, I think in terms of perception, he doesn't have to worry. He has a, he has the perception of being a winner. And I think it will take a lot to change that. I do think he has realized it's not enough to beat, to beat Donald Trump. It's not enough to just call Trump a loser. Um, so I think he's going to have that and he's going to have COVID too. I would also say that even though um, I am a big supporter of vaccinations and I'm very concerned about the anti-vaxxer thing, I think it would be wrong to, number one, assume that the only people he's appealing to are sort of rabid anti-vaxxers. I mean, he's tapping into 
um, people who just don't quite know about vaccines or want to do more research or who want to look into it, who don't trust the elites, who don't trust the experts. Um, and I'm telling you, COVID really also scrambled. It, it, it really did a lot of weird reordering and it radicalized people. There are people we I know just... who become very passionate about that. So I think there is a there is a constituency of people out there across the country who are, in many cases, liberals or former Democrats, who uh, this very well may appeal to, Bill. Well, here's something that I think is weird about the DeSantis choice here. I think most normal people are just done talking about COVID. I mean, the the, the argument has already been won that we're not going to mask all the time. We're not going to lock everything all the time. We have a vaccine. Even if there's a spike, we're just going to muddle through it. You know, some people are going to get it and sucks for them. But that, that's been adjudicated and resolved. Uh, and people want to put it in the rearview mirror. DeSantis cannot stop talking about it. I mean, this is COVID to DeSantis is 2020 for Trump. They just can't let it go. Uh, that's and an interesting One of the reasons that is an why interesting point. I would say the Trump is, is. Sorry. Well, the, okay, both are self-serving, right? DeSantis wants to talk about COVID because the perception is that that was the issue he championed and that he was right on. Um, I think that when Trump is obsessed with 2020, it's more solipsistic um, and, and more navel-gazing and more backward-looking. But I think that is an interesting insight. Bill, one thing I would also, another point I want to make about DeSantis is, unlike Donald Trump, I think there's a chance that DeSantis can pivot. I think that DeSantis can run a certain type of race in a primary and then pivot and be more uh, gubernatorial, senatorial, uh, professional than Trump. And we saw him do it after he got elected the first time in Florida. DeSantis spent a couple of years uh, just kind of doing a good job until COVID happened. Um, I mean, it may be that so DeSantis I think, I think Trump is- didn't. Trump didn't have the capacity um, emotionally to pivot. And I think DeSantis does. It's possible that, that DeSantis is less of a broken person emotionally. And, uh, you know, in a completely cold and soulless and calculating way, uh, can can pivot, can recognize, okay, it's time to do the next thing. You know, uh, he wasn't Mr. Lockdown right away. Uh he wasn't uh, uh, Mr. Uh, stop transgender talk in schools right away. You know, the, 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 he didn't have well, he the was initial. Pushing, he was pushing vaccinations, in right. fact. Right. Uh, and, you know, Kirsty Nome, who's someone who wants to run for president, you know, she had a, she had a line a year ago. She didn't, she didn't name DeSantis directly, but it was implied, you know, it's sort of, you know, certain people claim that they locked down the beaches when they really didn't, you know, something like that. You know, she's trying to argue like she she really did it and he didn't really do it right away. And Trump made a point like that. He in his Truth Social post the other day, he tried to suggest that DeSantis was, DeSantis was overplaying uh, his case. Uh, so uh, forgive me for going digressing with there. My point is that I, I, I do think DeSantis has the capacity to pivot it's 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 less of an emotional impulse for him, perhaps. Uh, and the reason why I think he was more appealing to people over the past year is that he 
he was constantly picking new fights. Again, my gut always was, why are you picking that fight? Why don't you, why'd you yeah. cut your losses? But he was he's keeping it fresh. You know, he's yeah. gonna go after Disney. He's gonna he's gonna do the don't say gay bill. You know, he's always gonna find something yeah. to do that's new. And, and I and would jump into it same old, same old. But is but is yeah. the sales getting too stuck in this COVID rut to be able to keep doing that for the next year? I mean, I would venture to say uh, DeSantis has a better feel than you or I do. And and he could pick a new fight with someone new next week. I mean, our instinct, and I think as a conservative, this is a conservative desire. I like comedy. I like peace. Um, there's a really good book I read about 20 years ago by H.L. Richardson, who was the founder of Gun Owners of California. And it's a little, it's more of a primer than a book. It's, it's almost a pamphlet, but it's called Confrontational Politics. And essentially, this guy who was obviously on the right studied the left and in fact, even like communists and uh, how that they were constantly on the march. They never wanted peace. They always, you know, basically agitators are never satiated. They're constantly doing more. There's always... Um, uh, a desire for for action and 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 that goes against what I like. Uh, sort of a conservative American. I, I just I want things to settle down. I want I want to get my shit together for the holidays and just have some rest and relaxation and peace. Um, but these agitators, these activists, are always stirring shit up. Um, and 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 H. L. Richardson's insight was: this is what the left does. We should be doing it. And I think that. That's what DeSantis is doing. It's it's he doesn't want things to settle down or calm down. Um, you have got to be constantly pushing, fighting, picking fights, picking battles. And so you you know I think our instinct, Bill, is why would you do that? You're, you're popular. Like let well enough alone. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And he's like, hold my beer. Let's go after Mickey Mouse. Uh, I we probably should not talk with DeSantis. You know, for the entire show, there are other things to talk about. I, I want to say one. Last thing, though, I don't know if he has like a personal feel for it. I don't know if, if, if he's a, a true savant in that way. Uh, I mean, I can't I can't know. But I, I was struck by the New York Times profile of him that came out in the fall that noted that he has his staff constantly monitor the libs of TikTok Twitter account, um, which, uh, you know, is constantly, you know, trying to like pick up random videos of liberals saying supposedly crazy things and making them look terrible. Uh, I, I just think he has a system in place where he's tracking yeah. right-wing opinion online and is, and is chasing that opinion, uh, which obviously has its merits in terms of uh, trying to establish a feel if you don't have it naturally. Uh, but I, I certainly would worry uh, if I cared about DeSantis's, you know, long-term viability, that I don't, I don't know if you want that tail wagging the dog all the time. I think you're totally right, Bill. Whereas I think Trump is an instinct player who goes by the gut. Um, I think DeSantis, and I might have been, you know, I think I've I've been saying that he has an instinct for this, but I think you're actually technically correct. I don't think it's an instinct as much as it is data. I think that. Um, DeSantis is is very smart and is sort of playing this money ball. You know, he's got spreadsheets and he's collecting data. And so I think that Trump is sort of stumbling into things. Sometimes Trump gets lucky. Sometimes Trump makes a huge mistake. 
he's going on instinct. Whereas I think DeSantis is actually going by data. I think DeSantis is um, is 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 meticulous and and organized, and um, and I guess the question would be, if what does this say? If the only way to beat Trump, if the only way to beat Trump is to go with a guy who is, you know, even if it's strategically, even if he feels that he has to do this strategically, but if if he has to become sort of an anti-vaxxer to beat Trump, like to what end? Like what a a what does that say about the Republican Party? B is, this- is it worth it? Like like even if DeSantis is able to beat Trump, if he has to do this to beat Trump, are we going to be better off? You know, then then is, with is Matt that, Lewis is Matt Lewis reaching for that train cord <laughs> to stop <laughs> the DeSantis train and get off? Not yet, Bill. Um, I think that so I'm an introspective person. I try to be so I'm open to this question, but I still think in my lifetime, there's been one person who has tried to overturn you know, a free and fair presidential election. Um, And definitely, we we could quibble about that first assertion, but there's definitely only been one person who's tried to stop the peaceful transfer of power (laughs) of the presidency, and and it's Donald Trump. And so um, say what you will about Ron DeSantis, but he's not, he doesn't have that on the back of his baseball card yet. Yet. (laughs) The key there is yet. He hasn't had to. Um, uh, he has not been tested in that way. Uh, all right. Uh, what else did you want to talk about today, Matt? Well, what do you think? What did you think of, uh, I mean, obviously Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene, there was a really good, uh, uh, Alana plot, uh, really good profile of her in the Atlantic. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene is obviously about to become incredibly powerful, assuming Kevin McCarthy becomes the speaker. Um, because she's backing McCarthy um, and seen as like sort of vital to uh, to him becoming the speaker. And she just attended this young Republican uh, gala in New York where there were um, white nationalists and, and uh, other unseemly people there. And, and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene at that event said something to the effect of, you know, people say that that Steve Bannon and I planned the January 6th riot, but if we had done it, we would have won and they would have been armed. They would have had guns, something like that. Anyway, that's a lot. Uh, what's your take, Bill? Um, I mean, you're, you're not, I mean, sort of along the lines of the DeSantis stuff, you're, you're not seeing a lot of lessons being learned. You're not seeing a lot of pivoting towards the middle uh, this is all going on uh, at the same time when the Republicans are having this very tricky speakership fight. That vote is in two weeks. Uh, and uh, you have at least five people, Not in, you know, Taylor Greene's with McCarthy. Taylor Greene has has the quid pro quo with McCarthy where McCarthy's going to put her back on committees. And so Taylor Greene's going to salute. Uh, whereas you have at least five of Republicans saying, we don't want to, vote for McCarthy unless he gives us the power to have a vacate the speaker motion uh, so we can essentially try to force him out anytime he does anything that we don't like. Uh, and so that dance is going going on right now. Uh, so it, it seems like McCarthy 
Meyer McCarthy survives by catering to the Taylor Greens and doing a lots of you know crazy stuff, uh, or he's denied the speakership and someone else gets in there who's catering to to crazy people. Unless you have a bipartisan revolt that puts in someone like a Fred Upton uh, speaker without full support of the Republican conference. Uh, you should write uh, that column. I, I don't think column? there's enough talk. I don't think there's enough talk about that possibility. You should write that I did, column. Well, I, I wrote that column. I wrote that for Real Clear last week. There um, you go. Hey, yeah. you know, it, we need to promote that. I had, I had no idea. That, did we talk about it? I don't think I knew that. I think, I think we talked about it before I wrote it. Um, if a tree falls in the woods, Bill, we need to, <laughs> we need to push. The, this is a, you know, because I think it's an underrated idea that hasn't. I mean, it's obviously not likely to happen. Right. But. It's not absurd. It could happen. I mean, I I think you you would probably need a f- a few failed votes in the speaker's balloting. You probably have to get to you know two or three. No one has a majority situations, and the Freedom Caucus types not budging for the Don Bacon types to say, okay, screw you guys, this yeah. is nonsense. Uh, now you already have this omnibus bill moving, and uh, just so folks. You may not understand all the jargon here. Um, you got. I, I wrote my uh, my college dissertation on omnibus. <laughs> so, but but by all means, Bill, uh, I'll I'll allow you to to go ahead and explain this to uh, to 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 the newbies. I mean, in the olden days, you passed a dozen appropriations bills in different issue areas, department areas, to fund the government. It became harder and harder for the Congress to actually agree upon independent appropriations bills. Uh, so you either uh, pass an omnibus bill, which is essentially doing all those appropriations bills smushed together, uh, or you do what's called a continuing resolution, which is like a half-assed omnibus where you don't really fine-tune your line items. You're kind of running on autopilot based on the past year, maybe with a little bit of futzing. And for professional budgeters, continuing resolution is is unprofessional. It's not a it's not a good way to run a railroad. So better they can do an omnibus that has more thought into it than a continuing resolution. Uh, and so it seems like I'm like I might quibble with a few of the things you said there. I probably wouldn't have said smushed, but uh, that's basically right. That's basically right. Uh, now, you know, generally speaking, these appropriations last for the fiscal year, September 30 to September 30. They punted with a continuing resolution after this past September 30. Uh, and they have to decide what to do before. Well, they, they, that deadline was this Friday. I think they just passed a one week continuing resolution so they could kind of finish up the omnibus stuff. Uh and that should get them through September 30th. McConnell is cooperating with this. Uh, the McCarthy critics are livid because this is, this is the thing they hate the most. They, they want to take a meat axe to government spending and cooperating with Democrats and being kind of roughly status quo, maybe a little less here, a little more there. Um, that doesn't do it for them. And they're already mad at McCarthy in the past for not playing every card possible to try to force Democrats to accept smaller budgets. So they've already essentially said, this is unconscionable. 
So McCarthy has no choice but to oppose this if he's going to maintain some party unity. But their votes aren't needed necessarily so long as Democrats are unified in the House. But you, but you need bipartisanship in the Senate, which McConnell is providing. So you're, yeah. you, you so McConnell, have- I think McConnell's trying to do McCarthy a favor theoretically, right? I mean, yes. and uh, do we really, I guess, A, from a political standpoint, McConnell would probably prefer there not to be these Tea Party era fights over government shutdowns, right? That's not helpful if you're a pragmatic leader. Um, and also, I guess there is the real danger that these Republicans actually might let, you know, just defund the government and like whatever, the, not not pay attention to the debt ceiling or, or so that there could actually be ramifications. Um, but these Republicans, I guess, all of a sudden care about spending. I, I, I thought we I thought Republicans didn't care about spending anymore. I, I, I'm confused, but well, they see this as a lot of don't. Uh, I take the Freedom Caucus types of their word that they do. No, they did. No, they didn't. Though they didn't when Donald Trump was president. The Freedom Caucus I, didn't care. I mean, they, I mean, they, they didn't. They didn't stop it. Uh, but uh, well, I don't think they cared. I, I, my recollection is that they voted for all sorts of big spending. Not not just didn't stop it, but supported it. And I mean. Deficits don't matter, and and wasn't Trump's chief of staff a Freedom Caucus member at some point? I don't. I I have to go back and look Meadows, at. Mark, I got work Meadows, columns about this. Were Meadows and Mulvaney, Mulvaney uh, Freedom so. Caucus types? If I, I think so. I think I'm sure I'm sure Meadows is. Um. Uh, I I, I if I'd have to go back and look at all the whole record. I I, I would imagine there was grumbling about it. But I'm sure they saluted because they were everyone was hard pressed to go really cross wires to Trump on these things. Uh, you know, Trump doesn't care, obviously. You know, Trump Trump's for Social Security, Trump's for Medicare. You know, Trump was trying, you know, the Steve Bannon populist view was we're not here to dismantle the welfare state. Uh, we're here to do we're 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 here to, you know, let's let's do infrastructure. We, we yeah. it's okay to spend. We're, we we other fight. We're, we're America first. As long as you we, wait, as long as you reward the right people. Yes, with right. the government largesse. And arguably, DeSantis is in that camp too. By the way, uh, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see what he has to say about your specific budget items. But there, I think there's a there's a sense that DeSantis. I mean, DeSantis at minimum is someone who's happy to wield government power to benefit his constituencies. He's he's in no way some sort of libertarian purist. Uh, but I think he was also a Freedom Caucus member. He, he, may, have, he may have been, yeah. Um, I think he was. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but I, I, I do believe that Biggs and Good and Norman, uh, I, I do think they want smaller budgets. That is what they would they would li- they would like to achieve a shrinking of the welfare state. They are far more committed to that than the McConnells of the world. They were probably saying, "Look, I'm all for a smaller budget, but let's be realistic about what we can accomplish here." Um, well, look, if you cared about a smaller, if you cared about cutting spending, you would have listened to Mitch McConnell, elected more Republicans, and then you could do that because you would have <laughs> more, you know, the majority. Right. Uh, and I think McConnell is very much of the mindset of shutdowns are bad. 
Uh, we're here, you know, government's going to exist and it should be open. Uh, and politically speaking, it's always terrible for us when we shut it down. And probably raising the debt limit is a good idea too, so we don't have a global economic meltdown. Uh, and so M- Mitch here is trying to save McCarthy from having to deal with this problem first thing in a new speakership, and at least push it off to September. Uh, and I think there's a sense that even McCarthy is in the uh, hope is a vote no, hope yes person. He, he doesn't want to have this problem in his lap next month, but he can't say that and and keep the party unified. Uh, so all these things are happening at the same time where it would it would seem that we are going to have an omnibus. We are going to spend uh, uh, a similar amount of money as we have in the past. And that's going to agitate the splinter faction and dig in their heels. I think it makes it more likely they will dig in their heels because the thing they're complaining about is sticking them, sticking them right at the face. Um, housekeeping note, Bill. I don't know if you want yeah. to keep going or not, but quick housekeeping note. I think the plan is uh, you and I will do a DMZ next week which is the week before Christmas, and then take two weeks off. I think yes. that's right. That's the plan. So um, plan accordingly. I mean, if there's an emergency, maybe we'll do an emergency audio podcast or something. But I know you're going to want to do an emergency omnibus podcast. Well, there's nothing sexier than an omnibus. Um, <laughs> so it could happen. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we, we call it a show? I think we can keep it uh, tight. Keep it tight today. We've been All we've right. been going long other other weeks, so uh, keep it tight. Um, well, may everybody read the column I didn't know existed that Bill wrote at Real Clear Politics about uh, the possibility of what Democrats and Republicans kind of yep. going working together uh, and and going with a an alternative, a more moderate alternative to Kevin McCarthy. Check that yep. out and check out our emergency podcast because we didn't talk at cinema today, but we did talk cinema. A few days ago. Uh, did you see the Slate piece today on cinema? No. This person at Slate that uh, has been tracking someone who at least says that they're cursed in cinema on Facebook Marketplace and spends an inordinate amount of time selling used goods on Facebook Marketplace. Uh, and uh, and she bought a pair of stilettos from Kirsten Cinema and picked them up, but it was done through... Uh, an intermediary. So she was hoping maybe she, she would actually see cinema and get the shoes from but she didn't see cinema. Um, but it, I've it, never it been more get... fascinated by Kirsten cinema than this moment. So she couldn't, she couldn't prove it definitively, but it does seem like Kirsten cinema does sell an amazing amount of stuff on Facebook marketplace. That is so cool. Uh, love it. She's a, she's an enigma. I think, I think it's fair to say. So if you're in Arizona, check Matt, it out. Yeah, we had a whole. Do you, uh, vote, do you vote cinema for Senate if you're if, if Matt Lewis lives in Arizona, which you kind of oh, do yeah. already? I think so. You vote for, yeah. you vote for if it was Ruben Gallego, Kirsten Cinema, Carrie Lake for Senate. Then I think I vote would, cinema, even though cinema is pro choice. Yeah, if if those are my choices, but. Um, that, you've never well, wait, wait, who's Ruben Gallego? He's a progressive Democrat. Okay, I vote cinema. But if Doug Ducey's running, I vote Ducey. Okay, but you would vote okay. for a pro-choice. Someone would vote for pro-choice judges. In that scenario, if it's Carrie Lake, cinema, 
and a prog- like a hardcore progressive, yeah, I would yeah. vote for cinema. Wow, does that shock you, Bill? That I mean, you've 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 never crossed that line before, Matt. Well, first of all, um, there's two developments. One, I don't know if you heard, Bill. They they did this thing uh, called Roe versus Wade. They overturned it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's changed. Okay, um, all right. And the second thing is, uh, there's this thing called the big lie where people are. So I support uh, the sanctity of life and the sanctity of elections. Those are kind of my two big issues. So here's so those are my two big issues. I know we're 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 like playing World Cup extra time here. Um, (laughs) So Chris Sununu, governor of New Hampshire, looking at running for president. He he says he is pro-choice, that he uses the label pro-choice. He signed a 24-week ban in New Hampshire with some exceptions in the late term. Uh, uh, so it's hardly a 15-week ban or a six-week ban. Um, but some people in the Democrats saying he's not really pro-choice, he signed this ban. But he would say, hey, look, I'm really in the middle here. 24 weeks is really not that extreme. Uh, and I call myself pro-choice. And he was asked in a recent New York Times interview, isn't that going to be like the death view in a Republican primary. And he was like, no, it's a different dynamic now. You know, we overturned Roe v. Wade. Um, so do, w- could you vote for a nominally pro-choice Republican on the logic of, hey, look, it's already back to the States anyway. Who cares who, what the president's opinion on this is? Oh, for you mean for president? Yeah. If, if, if it was, if, if, if DeSantis became too anti-vax for you, and it was Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, and Chris Sununu, what does Matt Lewis do? So first of all, let me say, um, and this is for the old people listening, that I'm team Bob Smith, that I I supported (laughs) Bob Smith over Sununu. My wife worked for Bob Smith. Was that different different Sununu? I think it was the same one. I think it was Chris Sununu. I mean, his dad was the chief of staff, right? Right. Is that that right? Right, Um, right. Yeah. So basically what happened is um, Bob Smith, you know, was a senator from New Hampshire, a really good conservative, very nice guy. Uh, I went to a Yankees game, sat next to him. It was cool. Um, but uh, the the I guess he left. He, he, he was critical of George W. Bush. And I think he left right. the party briefly and ran against him for president or something. Right. And so the party, you know, conspired to defeat him. Uh, going against their sort of rule of supporting incumbents, and they supported Sununu. So I, I sort of have a beef with Sununu, just like I have a beef with uh, Larry Hogan, senior. No, no, he he ran against um, John Sununu. Okay, so uh, is that, you, so are they brothers? Brothers, yes. You ran, probably ran against okay. Chris Sununu's brother. Okay, so this is a family vendetta that I I still harbor. Uh, the vendetta. Either way, it, it goes. It can go to brothers and sons. Um, having said that, um, yeah, I mean, if 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 uh, I I will try to vote for the most conservative person in general, the most conservative person who can get elected, um, as long as they are, <laughs> as long as they're not involved in trying to support things like a coup. That is that is a deal breaker. But and it's not to say that Matt Lewis's opinion on abortion has changed at all. But because no. Roe v. Wade is no longer law of the land, 
a politician's abortion position is no longer a litmus test for you in deciding your vote. It is. I mean, if someone is like avidly pro-abortion, that's a deal breaker. But Bill, I don't think it's just Roe. I think Roe Roe is Roe has changed, but I also think Trump changed everything. I mean, you know, we are like I said, this the sanctity of elections and the sanctity of life. I mean, you know, some of these candidates like Carrie Lake, she might say she's pro-life, but how could I support Carrie Lake? I couldn't vote for her despite, you know, and so if Carrie Lake, if my choices in the world for president, let's say, if it was either Carrie Lake or Chris Sununu, then I would have to go with Chris Sununu. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that seem crazy to you? No, no, man. I mean, I'm, just, I'm just trying irrational. to understand the journey that yeah. you're on, Matt. That's all. No, I, I don't think I've changed at all. I just think the context has changed. Well, I mean, I mean a certain fact has changed. Five we'll years ago, over the law. That that, and then five years ago, we'd have to worry as much about, you know, fascists taking over. So we had the luxury of focusing more on on public policy issues as well. I mean, like I, Bill. I might not have voted for like Mitt Romney. Well, I, I would have in the general, but like I was, I was vehemently against Mitt Romney. And now when I look back at like the concerns I have with Mitt Romney, they're very minor compared to the things that we're dealing with in the world today. All right. We broke some news Another today, Matt. Festivus, Festivus <laughs> miracle. <laughs> Uh, what, what day is Festus? Are we on? Is, is this is today? Festivus? It's December twenty third. Every 23rd, year. Okay. 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 So uh, we're we're about a week out. We, we we can talk Festivus next week. Indeed, for the rest of us. And next week, wear your uh, ugly Christmas sweater or or a Santa hat. Either one. I'm not sure I own either one of those things, but I will try. <laughs> All right. Uh, you've got a week to get ready. We'll see you then. Okay. All right. <laughs> Take care, see you guys.